Um, money. I don't know what sort, what you, how you are with money. Some people are very organized and particular and do spreadsheets. Some people just spend it and just hope they've got some left in the bank. I'm not going to ask which one you are. Uh, my parents are definitely the spreadsheets. I'm definitely not the spreadsheets. Uh, but as I shared earlier, I struggle to be generous, so I tend to not like to spend money. Um, I've probably shared this example with some of you before, but when Jen and I were dating, Jen lived in London, so every other weekend I used to get the train up to London, and on a Sunday evening we'd um, be in the, in the city, either at her church, or we'd go out for a meal, and then I'd head home from Liverpool Street Station. And one particular evening, we decided to grab a meal out. We were out and around uh, the, the city centre, and we were at Trafalgar Square, and Jen said, why don't we go to this steakhouse? Um, so we went to this steakhouse. I don't know, it was some chain, wasn't it? Now, Jen comes from the sort of family where if they go out, now we can have show of hands here. So Jen comes from the sort of family where if they have, go to cafes and have coffees, they go to restaurants and have food. We always went out and had a packed lunch. So let's just see, put your hands up if you're a family that goes out for meals, who grew up in a family that went out for meals and you know, you'd, you'd always go to some National Trust property and just, yeah, yeah. Put your hand up if you always took a packed lunch. Yeah, my mum and dad always took a packed lunch, which I hated. But um, it kind of was instilled to me, this idea of, you know, we don't want to spend lots of money. So, Jen, you look at the menu, and your philosophy is get what you want. My philosophy, at least when I met, first met Jen, was get what's the cheapest. <laughs> so she had a steak, and I was like, what can I get? And I got a chicken Kiev. Chicken in a steakhouse. A chicken Kiev in a steakhouse. And the problem was, is I did not get a kiss and a hug goodbye that Sunday because I stank of garlic and probably filled the whole train with garlic. But <laughs> Pardon, what was that? Certainly your car, your little picanto you had, yes. Oh, reminiscing. Um, but regardless of how you are with your money, whether you do spreadsheets or whether you just spend it, when times get difficult, when money gets tight, and you start to tighten, you know, what do they call it? Tighten your belt and uh, start to think a little bit more carefully about how you spend your money. We're seeing that on a national scale in terms of the UK deciding to uh, knock down their international aids. And from the conversation I've heard on the radio, most people in the country are supportive of that, just thinking, you know, we need to get ourselves sorted before we send money anywhere else. This idea that I've got to be careful, and when we're careful with our money, then we stop being generous. And we're facing times at the moment where our gas bills are going up, our food bills are going up. Uh, next spring, our national insurance will be going up, if you, if you actually pay any. Um, everything is getting more expensive. So the question I want to ask this morning is, what did the Bible say about how we can find increased financial security and happiness when times are difficult? Can we find happiness despite issues with money? Can we find financial security? What does the Bible have to say about that? And I'm going to give you the answer now, just so you know, because it's really counterintuitive. The Bible says that if things are difficult, if you're struggling, you want financial security and you want happiness, then give your money away. Give your money away. Well, that doesn't really make sense, does it? So we're going to unpack that over the next 15, 20 minutes. But okay, what does that 
mean? And first of all, I'm not going to turn, well, actually, I'm going to turn to the Bible, first of all, because that's a good place to start. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is where Paul, a really amazing leader and teacher in the early Bible, quotes Jesus when he says this. What does it say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, you are going to gain more from giving away than if you kept it all to yourself. Is that actually true? Well, I'm going to look at, first of all, not the Bible, but some psychology studies, some studies that were done in the States, and then I'm going to look at a couple of them. Uh, First one, they did a survey of over 600 United States citizens, um, and they found that across all income levels, you were happier if you spent money on other people. Okay, so that's just some research over 600 people. Just, they just discovered that. Another test, they gave some students, who are always in need of some cash, um, some money in an envelope. They had 46 volunteers. Some of them, they gave them $5 in an envelope. Some of them, they gave them $20 in the envelope. And they said they had to spend it by the end of the day. And they discovered that it didn't matter how whether you got the $5 or the $20, you are happier if you spend that money on someone else. Now, don't ask me how they measure happiness, but that's what they discovered scientifically through these studies. You are happier spending money on yourself. Um, another time, they took 16 employers, employees due a bonus of $3,000 or $8,000. Okay? And they measured their levels of happiness six to eight weeks le- later. And they found that the size of bonus didn't really affect the happiness, whether they got the $3,000 or the $8,000. But if, it, that, if they gave their money to charity or to people in need or just to friends, they were happier. Also, here's something, a bit of a technical term for you, just to show that I'm really clever, which, I, which means I can search on Google. Um, there's something called hedonic adaptation. I do not expect you to remember that. I will not be testing you. Hedonic adaptation. Basically, all it means is if I gave you £50 today, you'd feel pretty good about that. I'm not going to, by the way. If I, gave you 50, you're pretty, if I then gave you £50 again next week, you'd be like, oh, thank you very much. If I then gave you £50 the following week, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's nice. Hedonic ad- adaptation means you get used to gaining stuff. So the more you get, the more you can just get used to it. So you have to go and get even more. It's how consumerism works. It's how most of us work. We've never got enough because we get used to what we have. But if you gave away £50 one week and then gave away £50 the next week and the next week, there is no decrease in the happiness you feel from giving it away. So keeping it for yourself, you get decreasingly happy. If you give it away, that happiness continues. So before we've even looked at the Bible, psychology studies have shown that you are happier if you give money away than if you keep it. Now, is that just ignorance is bliss? You know, I could just keep giving money away and just not look at my bank balance and feel really good about it, and suddenly hits me, I've got no money, I'm destitute, I'm homeless. Well, I want to just take some time to look at some God's promises when it comes to money. Okay? Uh, I'm going to take... The Bible is absolutely chock full of stuff about money and possessions and what we do with it. Jesus spoke about it loads. 
and the early church spoke about it loads. So I'm just going to pick three examples, as you know, four. Um, one from the Old Testament, one from Jesus, and one from the letters in the New Testament. Okay, So I'm not going to spend hours. You could spend hours, but we're not going to. But first of all, just a little clue. Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 17, um, Paul says these words. See, Paul has been talking to the church in Philippi and thanking them for the gifts that they've been giving Paul to support him in his ministry. He says, you know, other people didn't give anything, but you gave me stuff. And that's amazing. Thank you so much. But he says this interesting phrase. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Let me read that again. Not that I desire your gifts. I don't want what you, all your money and gifts. That's not what I want. But I want you to give more because it credits your account. So Paul is pointing towards something, saying if you give something, that's going to be of greater credit to you. Not debit, credit. You are going to have something added to your account if you give generously. So let's look at the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there. It's the very last book in the Old Testament. And as with most of the prophets, Jen, my wife, has discovered this while doing the Bible in the year. Most of the time, it's God not being very happy with his people. And this, this, this is no uh, exception. And um, God taught through the prophet Malachi in chapter 3 about man robbing God. And they said, well, how, how are we robbing you? And he says, well, in tithes and offering. Now, in the Old Testament, what they did, they are, God said, if you, as part of my people, I want you to give a tithe of everything you have. Now, a tithe is a little bit more complicated than this, but we can basically, basically say it's 10% of what we, we get. Uh, and God's saying, you need to give that. As, as my people, you give that to my kingdom, the temple or whatever uh, that may be, and to help others. And he says, you are on a curse because you are robbing me. You're not giving me that tithe. But he makes this promise in verse 10 of Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. If you look around the country, you can find tithe barns, where in an agricultural um, uh, time, people used to bring their tithe and stick it in a barn, in a storehouse. That there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And this is the promise. You bring stuff, test me, I'm going to show you, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room, there will not be room enough to store it. He goes on, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. See, God promises three things there. First thing, that actually if you give, I'm going to give you so much more. There will not be enough room in your storehouses to store all the blessings that I'm going to give you. Second thing, I'm going to protect your crop from pestilence, from disease, from rot. And a third thing, actually people will just look at you and go, wow, aren't you blessed? Because you are God's uh, people. So there's a promise there from God saying, quite plainly, if you give, I will give even more back in return. So that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament, you know, and it's old stuff. 
Well, no, Jesus then goes on to say, Luke chapter 6. So just a few books. So Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke is one of the four uh, Gospels, four stories uh, about Jesus' ministry. And this records the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Let me find that. He says in verse 35, gets controversial straight away, but love your enemies. Well, that's not very good, is it? I don't want to do that. Do good to them. Well, that's even worse. And then get even worse than that and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Well, I don't like that idea, do I? I mean, if I lend something, I expect to get it back. Some of you may even charge interest. Don't know if you do that to your kids. That would be mean. Um, but, you know, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them expect, without expecting anything back. If that's not a definition of generosity, I don't know what is. But Jesus goes on to say in verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. And I love this picture, a good measure, pressing down, shaken together, and running over. It's that picture of, a, you know, going to the market to buy some grain, and the merchant just fills it up and then keeps going and shakes it around so it all settles down, puts in a bit more, overflowing. It's a bit like going to the pick and mix, okay? And you're going there with your tub and you're strategically working out how can I fit as much in here. Actually, it doesn't work quite so well with pick and mix because it's more about weight. But if you're posh like me and get the olives from the little tubs at the back of Tesco's and you're trying to squeeze the lid on, you're trying to fit everything in. This is what God is. God is so generous, you know, you open up those packets of crisps and they're half empty. God's saying, no, you open up a God's packet of crisps and it comes exploding out. It's so much. God wants to bless you so that his blessing is running over. It'd be pulled into your lap. You're just completely taken over by God's generosity. Give and it will be given to you. So that was Jesus. Well, what about some of the letters? We'll go back to Paul, who was um, quoting Jesus in Acts. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And Daz um, shared a part of this uh, earlier. And Paul is encouraging generosity to the church in Corinth. He's saying, you've promised to give gifts, to support the famine that the Christians were suffering in Jerusalem. You've promised great stuff. Then Please make sure you live up to that promise because you're great, but it's no good if you promise something and don't give it. And he says these words in verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this. So if it says remember this, I would suggest that you remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay, so let's just get our heads around that. If I give little, I'll get little in return. If I give lots, then we get lots in return. And we can see that in our relationships, can't we? If I withheld my friendship, I'm not going to get many friends. If I'm very out there with my friendships, have lots of people around for meals, then you're probably going to get more in return. We understand that, but actually that works with money and possessions as well. Paul Paul goes on to say in verse 11, and this is an interesting one. It says, you will be made rich 
In what way? Every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion and, th occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You will be enriched. In my version it just says rich, made rich, in every way. Now, a while back, a few years ago, we talked about prosperity gospel. We had a whole series on the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel, particularly big in America, Nigeria, places like that, where it basically says, God will bless you financially. If you are faithful to God, you trust in him, you will be driving a Rolls Royce. You'll be wearing a white suit with gold uh, rings. That God will give you money. The problem with prosperity gospel is it affects us, and we, we kind of fight against that, don't we? And we go, no, no, that's, that's wrong. You know, I, you know God, Jesus doesn't want us to be driving around in Rolls Royce. If you've got one, it's not a problem. Um, can, I have a, can I have a go in it? Because that would be cool. Um, and we can, we can reject that. But actually, we've looked at these promises, and it says, no, I will, if you give, I will give financial security. I will make you rich in every way. But let's look at the reason for it. And this is where the prosperity gospel gets it wrong, completely wrong. You will be enriched, made rich in every way, so that, what? You can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity. So by being generous, that will result in people thanking God. In this case, generosity becomes evangelism, becomes outreach, it becomes mission. Actually, by being generous with what we have, whether it's our time or our talents, our story, or in this case this morning, our money, that will cause people to praise and thank God. And the key thing that I want to bring out of these Three bits from the Old Testament, from Jesus, from the New Testament letters, is that you can't outgive God. God says, Test me in this. Just try me. Let's do an experiment over this month up until Christmas. Test me in this. If you give, if you are generous with your money, I will give you in return financial security. Why? Not so you can feel rich and happy and comfortable, but so you can in turn be even more generous. And the more generous you are, then what's going to happen? God's going to be more generous to you. That's the purpose behind it. That's the promises that are in the Bible. And like I said, these are just a few examples of how God wants to bless us. And the promises that God is making about our financial security and the financial blessings. So if you are holding back, and I'm not talking about being silly with your money here. There's always a balance, isn't there? It's always good to do spreadsheets. It's always good to be careful with your money. It's always a good idea to have some sort of idea about what you've got in your bank account. It's always good to plan for the future. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying that if you are generous with what you have, God will be generous to you. Because God's promises that he will make you rich in all things so that you can be generous in every occasion. You can't 
outgive God. So in this time of worry, in this time of instability, in this time of concern over our finances, over rising bills, do not fall into the trap that our nation has fallen into, that it means that we need to cut back, we need to be less generous, we need to hold on tight to what we have, because God is saying quite clearly, that's not how you should be. Firstly, he's going to make you happier to give away. So whether you're a follower of Jesus or not this morning, you can maybe take that away. The psychologist has shown if you give, you're going to be happier. If you hold on to it, you're going to turn up like Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, that's what the whole story about the Christmas carol is, isn't it? Scrooge was far happier giving away than holding on to what he had. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're part of God's family, then there's that extra promise that God will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others, which is his promise throughout the entire Bible. 